Well, it's Final Four time and episode 65 of Three Point Podcast. Congratulations to MSU for another Final Four and beating number one Duke. Three Point Podcast features sports and pop culture from three different generations. I'm the baby boomer, Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. Gen Xer Matt Burns checks in from ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina and has MSU winning on his bracket. And our millennial is Jared Fatel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, The Corona Public Schools, and Card Service Michiana. We'll get it rolling right after these messages from our Three Point Podcast partners. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. All right, guys, I'm telling you, you know, there weren't a lot of upsets in the early rounds of the tournament, but, man, this last weekend was just unbelievable with the the intensity and, of course, Michigan State moving on. Thoughts? First of all, obviously, a, a hell of a win for Michigan State to beat Duke. I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I did pick that. I did honestly think that they would match up well and, you know, just the whole team concept and the way that Michigan State was playing. I really thought they'd match up well with Duke. Um, that was just an awesome game. But that whole weekend, Saturday and Sunday, that whole weekend of basketball was just awesome. seemed like every game basically went down to the last possession. It was awesome, awesome weekend of basketball games until last night's Elite Eight cap. <laughs> the thing that disappointed me the most, Zion Williamson, he had like one hell of a game. I mean, he was he, almost, he nearly had a 20-20 with, what, 20, 24 points and 14 boards? But the person who jumped off the screen to me two different times, Matt McQuaid. I, why does this guy keep – I don't even – what word am I looking for here, fellas? I, I'm so worked up that I can't even put together a comprehensive, like, thought process. He always comes back and haunts me. This guy, all season long, he's hit big shot after big shot, and we saw it this weekend when he slammed the ball on Delorier's face. I, I've never seen a more athletic dunk in my life, white or black. <laughs> Matt, you, you seem to think that <laughs> – I know that you're over there probably thinking, like, oh, here we go again with the white or black thing. But was that not the biggest surprise of the entire game? And then you watch him pull up Michael Jordan move a few minutes later. The, it was made in, in the shade for Michigan State. Yeah, right? I think when that... Matt McQuaid's here making spin move, spinorama layups and dunking on everyone, I've never seen a team playing more confident than they are right now. Yeah, I think that that's it right there. They're confident, and you can tell that – 
they they've just got all the pieces. I mean, I don't. We've talked about it a bunch of times now. Though ever since they started beating Michigan every game, you know, they've just got all the pieces, and it starts with Cassius Winston. But McQuaid actually, I mean, he played okay yesterday. He, I mean, his defense is always good, but he he usually was knocking down a bunch of threes. He didn't really do that. But right when he goes up and throws down that you know posterizing dunk, and then the spinorama layup, like you called it, it did just seem like okay. I don't know how Duke is going to like pull this out if McQuaid's making these shots, but still, Duke had a chance. Just like their last two games that they won because their opponent missed shots at the buzzer, Duke had a legitimate chance at the end of the game, and I, I don't know, just just choked away. I don't know, I don't know if you guys noticed during the game, but Zion scored with about a minute 41 left and put Duke up three points. Didn't take a shot the rest of the game. I don't know about you guys. But if you got Zion Williamson on your team, I know sometimes whatever, maybe the defense doesn't let it happen. But you got to like roll with him, and you got to just give him the ball and be like, "Hey, man, this is your chance. Like, just go. I don't care if you miss. Just you got to try and score." Oh, he's the guy they had to have his hands on the ball there down the stretch. And I don't know what the what the whole philosophy was. Maybe it was Michigan State didn't allow it defensively. But I I agree with you 100. percent If you got him on your team. And you're coming down the stretch, and like Jared set up, he was having a hell of a game. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, he's got to be the guy that you know he wins or loses the game, but he's got to have his hands on the ball. At what point do we start to knock on Coach K's door? I mean, what the hell? Like, you, yeah, they didn't get the ball to Zion, and it's almost as if they just rolled the balls out and just like said, "Go play." Like they never ran any plays. It seemed like every time they posted up Zion, they would not throw the ball to him. Like every and every, and the one or two times they did, he was scoring. It like wasn't pretty like how he was scoring, but he was scoring. And yet they just didn't do it. And it's, it just looked like Michigan was more like they definitely had not as, as much talent as Duke, but they were just a better basketball team. Yeah, and I think that's the whole key is the teamwork. The team, the, that word itself. And you know, you talked about Coach K, and I'll simplify it a little bit. He's a Hall of Fame coach, maybe the greatest college basketball coach of all time, if you look at his whole resume. Tom Izzo, the same thing. But they both can have a bad day like anybody can. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I'm one of the biggest Izzo supporters around, especially on this podcast. But uh, last year, I mean, they shit in the bucket against Syracuse. And I put that all on Izzo in that game with that whole strategy of running the post. I think I think Shashevsky uh, yesterday had a bad day. You know, he, he obviously didn't pull the right strings. I, I feel like, and I, this honestly, I don't feel like this is me putting too much into one game. Maybe my maybe I am a little bit more angry just because of the loss to Michigan State. But if you watch this team the first night of the season when they beat Kentucky by, like, 40, <laughs> like, are you telling me that they're better than they were, than they are now? Like, I can't, I can't say that. This team, like, they didn't even win the ACC regular season, and they won the ACC tournament, which I guess is okay. But when you have three of the top four draft picks, and you're out here, Matt McQuaid looks like Michael Jordan against you, like, it comes down to coaching. And you say, like, Zion, like, get the ball to Zion more, but it's like the rest of these guys aren't scrubs. No, that's true. I mean. Yeah, Barrett didn't come through down the stretch, did he? No, Barrett hasn't come through down the stretch all year. And, I mean, he's going to be a top ten pick. And, he, I mean, he's legit. He's really good. But he's actually, like, throughout the year, down the stretch, not played well. I saw a stat earlier today that, the three games with Zion Williamson in the lineup that Duke lost, they lost a couple more when Zion was hurt. But when Zion was in the lineup, down the stretch, in the three games that Duke lost, R.J. Barrett went 0 for 9 from the field, and Zion had one shot in those three losses, including that Michigan State game. So 
as great as R.J. Barrett is, I mean, he seemed like maybe he's the guy that they maybe trust a little more down the stretch, but he went 0 for 9 from the field and in three losses this year for Duke down the stretch. So, you know, like, is it coaching or is it – I've seen some people say, like, when you have these, like, one and duns that are going straight to the NBA, it's tough to coach because they're just used to playing AAU ball. They're coming right out of high school or whatever, basically playing one-on-one for the last three or four years in high school. And then when it gets to these games – it's kind of hard to like drill in their head that you got to like run an offense. You got to run a set play. You have to like run, you have to run an offense. You can't just go out there and play one on one ball. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it'd be harder to coach for you know you got guys like Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. I don't know if it'd be harder to coach them because they're so good. But right to your point, Ted, Michigan State had two top ten draft picks on their team last year and got bounced in the second round. So. Oh, maybe it is. You know, that, that that brings up a good point. A couple things I just want to throw out. You guys are stat guys, okay? And if you look, first of all, at this Duke team, three-point shooting, they really didn't have very good numbers from three-point line this year, and the same thing from the free-throw line. When you get to a championship kind of contest, you you got you to gotta be stellar in those two things, at least one of those, right? And if you're weak in both, it's going to catch up to you. And back to your, back to your point about the, the one-and-dones, and I'm just throwing this out to you guys because you're you're more in in tune with statistics when it comes to something like this. But if you look at uh, let's say the last ten years, has there been a freshman dominated team that's won the national championship? Maybe one. I, I can't. Nothing jumps up at me. It's it's the teams that have veteran players that seem to really get it done when it's Final Four time and championship time. I mean the two that the two that probably. Maybe three that really stand out: Kentucky in 2012, right, uh, with Anthony Davis and those guys. That was definitely a bunch of one and duns. Duke had two teams. 2010, they had a couple more veteran players. That that Butler game that uh, Gordon Hayward missed oh, yeah. half court shot at the buzzer to beat them. Jared was at that game. They, they weren't they weren't all one and duns. They had a couple, but the 2015 Duke team was definitely uh, a bunch of one and duns. But right, so that's like two out of the last. 12 or whatever champions were like like you said heavy freshman one and done type players on their roster so you know does that formula work yeah john calipari has won a ton of games obviously at kentucky and been to the final four a bunch or at least the sweet 16 16 a bunch of times coach k has won a ton of games with his one and done formula but i mean is it winning the championship not it. necessarily because yeah. i mean the track record proves it that it doesn't doesn't necessarily win you championships all the time. And, and I guess that's where like, I didn't see – I didn't. I, I feel dumb for not, like, realizing that this is what was going to happen. But, like, Trey Jones, like, he came to the game like a defensive – you know, an elite defensive player in the ACC going against, like, other freshmen. But, like, he didn't affect Cassius Winston, Cassius Winston at all. And that was something I mean, I that I should have saw coming. Winston was 9 of 23 from the field. So, I mean, Winston played great. He, he, he played a great game, 20 mm-hmm. points, 10 assists. But – I mean, Trey Jones is a great defensive player. He definitely gave Winston a little bit of trouble. Now, were you both both you guys able to just tune in and really get into that Spartan game yesterday? Oh, I loved it. I, I was into it. I mean, like I said, I I really thought that Michigan State was going to win that game. Did I want them to win? That might have been a different story. I mean, I'm not like mad about it, but you know, I wouldn't have been. I think upset you're mad. Think the way you the, your, the, your tone of voice, I think you're mad. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Picture me, guys, and again, you know, I'm the one guy out of the out of the three of us that roots for Michigan State. 
and Michigan. You know, I know that that seems kind of weird, but I do. And I was watching that game. It was so intense. I was over at my buddy Chris's and his wife's, Lana and I watching it. I was just leaping up out of the chair down the stretch in that game. I mean, it was incredible. And, you know, the thing I was yelling the whole time, and you mentioned Winston's stats. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest shooting game, but he's the guy. He's oh, the yeah. guy you got to have with the ball. He's the guy that settles them down, you know, when the, when they're, there's a run the other way. He's the guy that makes it happen. And, you know, you look at that team. Well, let me throw this out there. I was going to bring it up sometime in the show. The Spartans, are they a team of destiny now because they maybe have the best point guard in the country? If they go to 79, they had the best point guard in Magic Johnson. 2000, they had the best point guard in Mateen Cleaves. And now you got Cassius Winston. Winston. And all those other two uh, years, were, were they ending in nine? Were they the, like the 1999 season and the 1979 championship? Is this 2019 now? Is it all destiny? I love how you kind of you kind of like adjusted the stat. The nineteen ninety nine. Well, I had to. <laughs> I, I do like that. That that was a nice stat that you throw out to us stat guys, as you like to put it. Right. I'll say this: like Cassius Winston, he does not look like he's a good player, but you just watch him play, and he makes all the smart plays. Yep. He, he's not gonna jump off the screen on like with the stats, but it's just he's always making the right pass, the the right uh, when he when he, he's never taking dumb shots. Like you feel like you see a lot with a team like a Duke or a Michigan, which is surprising for a John Milan team, but that's what you get when you watch a Michigan team this year. I feel like they just take a lot of stupid shots. Yeah, here's some um, coach speak for you, too, for Winston. He just makes the other players better. Yeah, he does. Exactly. I mean, if you look at – people are saying this is this was one of the least talented Michigan State teams that Izzo had because they didn't have a Miles Bridges or a Jaron Jackson or something like that. And, you know, coming into the season, you weren't sure what you were getting out of Goins and Tillman, but obviously now we know that those guys are just – they're contributing. They're They're – putting up numbers like crazy so so right when you have a guy like Cassius Winston who can set up McQuaid who can set up Goins who can get the freshman Henry like into the offense it makes a world of difference and you know I mean team of destiny I don't know I, I mean they're playing really well to me I, it, it just seems like one of those Izzo teams that's going to get to the finals and whatever happens in the finals you know who knows but they're playing well like like you guys have said they don't they don't make like dumb plays. I feel like it just seems like yeah, they get turnovers or whatever, but everyone gets turnovers. But they just don't make like dumb plays. And even when they get when Michigan punched them in the mouth and would get up by ten, twelve or whatever, when Duke got up by you know nine or ten or whatever, they don't seem rattled. Yeah. And you know, I I think that's the experience comes into play because you saw it yesterday with Duke with a bunch of freshmen. You know, yeah, these guys are gonna be playing in the NBA next year, but. You know, it, it was tough for them sometimes, it, it looked like, to respond to a run for Michigan State. They're going to be the team of destiny. If they end up playing Virginia, and if they can somehow get by Texas Tech, who's playing really well, us as Michigan fans know that, yep. if they get by Texas Tech in the Final Four and they make it to the championship against Virginia, I mean, they might as well take home the championship then. I get Virginia's a really good team, but Tom Izzo, of all the coaches he doesn't have have their number of, 2-12 uh, and 12 versus Coach K, 1-11 and like 11 versus Roy Williams, he has Tony Bennett's number, and they will win that game without. I'll, I'll bet the house on that one. Oh, I don't know, man. You talk about teams of destiny. Look at it this way, Jared. Michigan State, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it is destiny. We'll see. But if Virginia makes it to the championship game, now think about that destiny. They lose to a 16 just a year ago and then make it all the way to the national championship game. That's some pretty good karma there. That game, the, the other Final Four, that uh, Virginia and Auburn game, might be like a, a one of the more fun games to watch because Auburn runs like crazy and shoots a ton of threes, and Virginia is just like very slow and methodical. So that'll be really fun. 
I honestly think whoever wins the Michigan State Texas Tech game is going to win the championship. I just I don't know the the defense that both of those teams play, and you know they both have like senior leadership and everything. It just seems like both of those teams are going to be ready to go. I mean, Michigan State you can go ahead and burn the couches, <laughs> but it seems like the season's over in their eyes. Like they're 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 already resting on their laurels. I would not be surprised they just get their doors blown off by Texas Tech. Yeah, I, 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 Michigan State. You would think they just won the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I get that it was a big win against Duke. A bunch of players who are like three or four younger than basically everybody on your team, other than Aaron Henry. But you would think that they just, like I said, you would think they just won the Super Bowl. They're burning couches. They're loving. I've, all I've seen on Twitter all day today is like highlights of the game, putting Kenny Goins' shot to Titanic music. It, it was a big win. It was a big win, yes. But the season is far from over. Michigan, yeah. people forget Michigan just in the championship last year. Right. We've been there. Isn't that, isn't that cool? All right. I, gonna... I will say this isn't like I'm not trying to take a shot, but that, I mean I'm, I'm being honest here. It does seem like the Michigan State fan base they hang on to the number of Final Fours that that they go to. Now Tom Izzo, this is an eighth Final Four he's taking Michigan State to, so that is that's legitimate. I'm not saying that it's not legit, but they do like hang on to that. They love those Final Four banners, and because they they talk about it all the time. What about all the Final Fours that Izzo has been to? So now they've been to this one. Say they end up not winning this one championship and eight Final Fours. Like, is that really something to really brag about? It, it's an accomplishment for sure, because not everyone, not very many teams have been to that many Final Fours. But it does seem like that they do just really hang on to those Final Four banners. Well, let's flip it for a second, all right? Okay, yeah, I agree with Jared, and we are recording this on Monday night, April 1st, okay? I agree with you. It, it, they're, they're extremely giddy, and why wouldn't they be? They just beat the powerful Duke. Izzo was 1-11 against them. Now it's up to Izzo and his staff. Who cares about the Michigan State fans and their Twitter and everything else that goes along with it? It's all about the team. It's all about the coaching staff. I think they had a chance to celebrate. They went to the Breslin last night. There was you got to be impressed. I mean, there was probably, what, 6,000 people in the Breslin Center at midnight on Sunday night to welcome them home. That's great. They got a chance to celebrate, but I think today the team and the coaches, now they're concentrating on Texas Tech. You know, something that that helps Michigan State out. To be honest, they played three games against Michigan, and they can plug in that Texas Tech Michigan tape and just kind of see like what the teams did against each other. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, they should be able to. I mean, a week to prepare for Izzo. I, I think they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I love this team. Like I love the players on this team. Matt McQuaid, Cassius Winston, like Kenny Goins, he went from wearing a no a Rip Hamilton nose guard like two years ago <laughs> to hitting like the biggest shots in America this entire year. But similar, and I, and I should tweet this out, similar to the Penn State athletic program. I don't know if I could bring myself to root for this team. And, and along in that same lines, these the fan base, as soon as they win, they come to Michigan's door. We're the big dogs in the state. I get that. But as soon as they win, they come knocking on our door. I have 10 tweets from 10 different people mocking me like you just like it's at what point is that too much yeah that's that's the one thing that does irritate me with the rivalry and again i'll say it again uh, i i don't get into that in basketball i love both teams i love this michigan state team i mean better than the michigan team this year frankly i mean if, you know you look at the the whole scheme of things michigan won 30 games and i was going to bring this up and now's a good time to do it do you consider this a great season for michigan at 30 wins or, or not. I will say 
30 wins with no banners, it, it does, you know, it would have been nice to at least either win the Big Ten regular season or, or uh, the Big Ten tournament because, yeah, 30 wins, it almost seems empty. But it's pretty crazy to sit here and say that you made it to the Sweet 16 and had 30 wins and people are, like, disappointed in that. How many teams around the country or just even limited to just the Big Ten would take that, at like, right now in a heartbeat? 30 wins in the Sweet 16? I think teams, a lot of teams would take that. Now, maybe that's what John Beeline has done for that program, and I think that's what a lot of people are forgetting is the, where Michigan was when John Beeline got hired. I mean, they were coming off of sanctions and all that other garbage. Uh, they, were, they were almost bottom dwellers in the Big Ten. So for in basically 10 years, 10 or 11 years, John Beeline to turn that program from, from almost, almost a laughing stock in the Big Ten to 30 wins and the Sweet 16 as seen as a disappointment, like you said, Jared, just last year during the national championship game, uh, I, I think that is pretty good, I would say. Okay. I'm gonna say, okay, this is a oh, – sorry to cut you off, but I just got to jump in on this. It is a disappointment, Matt. No one cares about Sweet 16s. No one cares about Elite Eights. Like, coaches don't get bonuses. I, I remember – I think it was Darren Revell tweeted that, like, only one or two of the coaches in the Elite Eight, like Purdue, like just programs that aren't any good, got – like, the coaches actually got a bonus for making the Elite Eight. Like, the Sweet 16 is important to the Florida Gulf Coast of the world. But as a Michigan, as a Power, power 5 school – I don't like the 30 wins. Throw it out the window. Like All that matters is postseason play and beating your rivals. We lost to Michigan State three times, and all we did was make the Sweet 16 as a two-seed. Like It's a disappointing season. I'll, I'll give you my opinion here, and we're going to continue on in our college basketball talk, but uh, I just want to remind our listeners, check out SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. Call 989-720-SELL for details or online at SheridanAuctionService.com for upcoming auctions, including the inventory from Jimmy Hans, Northside Sunoco, ending April 2nd. That would be tomorrow here we're recording on Monday. But I'm going to jump in, and I, I really I agree with you, Jared. I think I think Michigan has a really good program program under beeline would i call this season great absolutely not you can't lose three times to michigan state and just get completely drubbed by texas tech they might as well have not even flown out west for that game <laughs> I mean, it it, might, if it's not a great they, season in my view texas if texas tech beats michigan state even if it's a really close game but if they just get to the national championship whether they win or lose or then especially if they win the national championship I mean, yeah, you don't want to lose the way that Michigan did, but that might not look like that bad of a loss. They don't lose very many non-conference games. You watch that game, Matt? That was the most pathetic. That was pathetic. I I don't know. I just am I like am I saying like it's a great year? We should celebrate at thirty. You know, I'm not saying that. I'd say it's a good year. Don't want to lose three times to Michigan State, especially. But if Michigan State goes on to win the national championship. Maybe it's not that bad to lose to them three times because, I mean, if they're going to win the national championship, then they just simply had a better team this year. So you would categorize Michigan then, just so we're clear, you would say they had a great season. I mean, I don't – like, what is a great season? No, no, just – like, it's, it's they had simple. A they won 30 games. They had a great season or they have a good season? I mean, I'm going to call it – let's call it a very good season. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, what is the degree from great to good? Yeah, it was a great season. They won 30 games. It's subjective. How, how did Illinois do? How did Indiana do? You know, how did Michigan State do last year? How did Michigan State do two years ago? I mean, you know, like, if, if we're going to, like, get mad at them for being the national runner-up last year and then winning 30 games and making it a Sweet 16, are, are we saying the only way to have a great season is 
to make it to the Final Four every year? No, I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying, how can you say it's a great season if you can't beat Michigan State one time and you get completely demolished in the Sweet 16 game? That's the thing. It's like that that Sweet 16 game, when you become like a national laughingstock on Twitter for like a day or two, that's it, you can't call it a great season or a very performance good season. of any team when, in the tournament. When people who don't watch Michigan all year just are taking shots at you because this is the only game they've watched, and you can't you muster up sixteen points in one half <laughs> in a college. Match. I feel like I could muster up sixteen points. Five of me out there, <laughs> five of me out there, just long, long casting shots could maybe muster up a couple buckets no. and be within a stone's throw of what Michigan put up on. on the oh, that was pretty ugly. That that was definitely pretty ugly. About as ugly as a two seed in Michigan State losing to a fifteen in Middle Tennessee State. Now you're going back in the past. Now <laughs> if, come on. If we're, if, if we're gonna get mad, I'm just that was. We're awful. talking about this Detective season, Matt. The way they did. If we're gonna get say that they're a disappointment of a team after thirty wins, back to back thirty wins. I think they've got eighty nine wins in the last three years, the most ever in Michigan history in a three year span. I'm not going to be mad at a team for making the Sweet 16. I, the only the games. only thing I'm arguing is the word great, okay? I think they had a good season. I think they had an exciting season at times. I mean, we were into Michigan basketball, but they didn't beat Michigan State. You brought it up at the very beginning. They did not get a piece of the pie, either the regular season or the tournament, and they got drilled in the in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's what I look at. I'm not saying that I'm not really belittling the team in the season. I'm just saying, yeah, they had a good season. wasn't great. Yeah, they got 30 <laughs> wins. They got 30 wins, but look at some of those wins. I mean, it's a good season. Beeline has a great program going. That's all. That's the biggest point to me. I'm not, like, saying we should give them, like, I don't know, trophies or banners for the season that they had or something. But given where the program was 10 years ago is where I'm – sitting at saying if, if people remember where the program was when Beeline came in, then th- I don't think you can be that upset at a 30-win Sweet 16 season. I mean, they've made two straight Sweet 16s. I, I mean, where the program was, to be mad at or upset with or just say like 30 wins is, a, is an okay season, I mean, I guess that's, that's a good problem to have, yeah. I guess is the point. And I'm not <laughs> upset because Michigan State's still playing, so I'm perfectly happy. <laughs> Something that has been bothering me also on Twitter, if you haven't noticed, I've, I've almost taken like a hiatus from Twitter the last couple of days. I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michigan State, like, journalists or fans tweeting, like, Michigan State's been to two Final Fours since, you know, 2015. Duke hasn't been to two Final – or Duke's only been to two fi- Final Fours since 2004. Okay, yeah. like, true, but Duke's also won two national titles right. when they go there. But, like, that's just what – like, Matt, like you were talking about earlier, they grab onto those Final Fours, and yes – I feel like a Final Four is what is a great season. We were talking about how it's subjective. In my eyes, if you make the Final Four, that's a great season. So Michigan State has had eight of those great seasons. But at some point, the national championship has to matter. And that's what I mean. It's almost like Michigan State's end goal is just to make it to the Final Four. And then they burn all these couches. Now let's make sure that we're, we're clear here. When you're talking about Michigan State, and this is, this is something I'm kind of in agreement with you guys when it comes to the very irritating Michigan State fans that when they win – you know, it's it's all about well, we we're better than Michigan, or or sending daggers to Michigan. And I'm not saying some Michigan fans aren't that way too. But I, from my viewpoint, again, coming as a Michigan State fan along with a Michigan fan, I I do get irritated with some of that stuff. You know, it it is it's just ridiculous. You know, you guys should be savoring this win. 
you know, looking forward to, you know, the two the game on Saturday night and maybe making it to a national championship and maybe winning it. That it should all be positive thoughts, not negative thoughts towards Michigan fans. That just it boggles, it boggles my mind. I guess that comes with the rivalry, right? I, I mean, that's what makes it a great rivalry. I, I, I'm kind of like joking when I say that it, it bothers me. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, does that actually like bother you or do you kind of, like I, I feel like it's almost funny because I guess what as soon as Michigan comes back next year, I'm coming for them. Right. I'll remember this. I, I'm marking it down. It we'll doesn't bother me so much that I lose any sleep about it. I'll tell you that much. But, <laughs> but I do read some of the tweets and I go, really, really, you felt you had to put that out there? Okay. Yeah, like I, I just don't get why immediately when Michigan State wins, and like you said, Ted, some Michigan fans do the same thing. So right. it's not just Michigan State fans, but it does seem like Spartan fans are heavy, whether it's football or basketball. And immediately when something good happens with the Spartans, they turn it on Michigan. I don't, I don't understand why. Yeah, it always turns. It has to go right to like hating on Michigan just because Michigan State won. I guess the thing is, it's like other than Matt, who say that this is a very good season. <laughs> like we, all of us Michigan fans are kind of like, yeah, we're like not that good. Like after you beat us for the second time, like we are, we all kind of like accepted. Like, yeah, we're not that good. Like, this is your guys' year to kind of see what you can do. But yet, it keeps coming back to like, where's Michigan? Like, I get it. We understand that we're not good. Like, this is we, you guys are better than us this year. So that's stop what, like comparing that's my thing to too. Us. Is it's it's like I know we live in a society that it's all what have you done for me lately. But it's like they conveniently have forgot that they haven't made it out of the first weekend for three years prior to this year. So like I. I they're having a hell of a run. They're, they're, uh, I think they're going to win the national championship. They have a legit shot to win it all. But it's like they, they forget that the last three years they, they haven't got out of the first round of the tournament. All right, let me, throw, weekend of the tournament. Let me throw this out on the table. We've had our debates before about Izzo and Beeline, and, I, and they both have great programs. I think we all agree with that, right? I mean, they're, they're top-notch programs in this country. You, if Izzo wins the national championship this year, does that put to rest all the negativity on, oh, he's made it to eight Final Fours but only one national championship, and that was already all the way back in 2000. If he wins it this year, does that put him right there with Krzyzewski and some of the others? Yes. I think it does. Not, not, there aren't very many. I don't have the number like right in front of my face. There's not very many active coaches who have a national championship, so he does have that already. But you can't dismiss the fact that it was basically 20 years ago, and if you're going to always hang on to – They've made all these Final Fours, seven Final Fours, now eight Final Fours, but that one national championship was like 20 years ago. You can't like, you can't dismiss that, that they keep going to the Final Fours and coming up short. And you can, I mean, I've said stuff like this before. You can say that he's a great coach, and, you know, coming into this year, Michigan State fans love that whole January, February Izzo thing, like he's Mr. March. Okay, he's, he's proven it this year, but coming into this year, you, you can't dismiss the fact that the previous three seasons – when they had they went to the final four in 2015 and those 3 years after they got bounced in that the year after is when they lost to Middle Tennessee State in the first round then the next two years when they had Miles Bridges and then Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson you know these just like loaded rosters they got bounced in the second round you can't look at those years and just completely forget about them now he has taken this team and turned them around and gotten back on track. I think he's better with a team like this. Without, without a doubt. And, without you know, a doubt. Players. So, like, I, I'm just saying, like, if he wins the national championship this year, yes, I think that puts the rest the whole, like, eh, I don't know, maybe he's lost his touch because the previous three years, that criticism was was warranted, I think. I think he's, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I think he's already put that to rest, that he's, 
I mean, he just, he's been he's coached like one hell of a like season this whole year. Out coaching Beeline three different times. Every single time we come on the pod, man, Beeline was out coached. Beeline was out coached. Beeline was out coached. And then he goes and he out coaches Coach K. It's like he's done it all year. And the thing is, like you keep mentioning, like the Middle Tennessee State thing, Matt. I, I want to jump on that boat and and go down sinking with you as well. But it's Michigan State now has the recency where they've been to a Final Four more recent than anyone else in the Big Ten, and they've also been the last ones to win a national title back in 2000. We haven't won, like the Big Ten hasn't won a title in 19 years. And it's like, if Michigan State does it again, the only two teams to do it in 20, the only team to do it in 20 years, it's like, it's, they're head and shoulders about everybody else in the Big Ten, in my eyes. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I never said that he was a terrible coach. I, I was never like, he should get fired or he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I've never said that. But like, Michigan State fans or media who act like these last three years, like didn't happen. I, I think that that's not a smart way to look at how Tom Izzo's career was trending. He he was great, and he was making all these Final Fours. He won a championship 20 years ago. But then Michigan was starting to beat them on a consistent basis, and Michigan State was getting bounced in the first weekend of the tournament three years in a row. So it it's legitimate coming into the season to be, be like, you know, has Izzo – maybe lost his touch a little bit. Was, Obviously now we know that he's he this is the kind of team he needed, you know, with Cassius Winston, with these role players that are just like they they fit his system perfectly. But I, I think the people who just completely forget about, you know, the the failures that they had had the previous three seasons, I think it's it's not a smart way to look at things. Yeah, but then also if you look at it like two of those seasons, he had Miles Bridges, right? And then he had Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges. And I think we've talked about it many times. Maybe those aren't the kind of teams that Izzo should be coaching. This is the kind of team. I definitely agree there, and I don't think that's a knock on him. No, it isn't. But that's two years. That's two of those three years you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like, so I, I think now we've we've seen it. Like, if you have Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson, you know, people are going to think like, oh, you should just win. They're top ten picks in the NBA. Well, I mean, Duke was loaded with that. Duke has been. Kentucky's been loaded with those guys. So, you know, that that's not just a guarantee to win. Like, you can criticize Izzo and still say that he's a great coach. I feel like yeah. Michigan State fans and media, like, if you – they're, like, scared to criticize Izzo because they, they put him up on this pedestal. Like, he's he's above John Wooden in all, like, the basketball lore of coaches. He's a great coach, but he, he has had a lot of failures. And if he doesn't – if he gets to another – this Final Four and doesn't win a national championship and he's 1-8 in the in the years that he goes to the Final Four – like, can you not criticize that? Yeah, no, you you made a good point there, talking about the media and the fans. And, you, you, of, of course, you can criticize it. I mean, you've heard me many times, and we're all on the same page, I think. Last year, I mean, he blew it. He did not coach him well in that game against Syracuse. We all in agreement on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, pre- thing, was the, pretty obvious. The thing that is just like the, that I keep thinking about and I keep going back to is, is Zion Williamson, he's going to have a long NBA career, probably the best player in the NBA I, I'm going to say that he's going to be the best player in the NBA, shorter or sooner rather than later. Well on his and way. Michigan State, Michigan State's always going to have that that trump card. Like we were the ones that like took him down. Right. We were the ones that like slayed the mighty Zion. <laughs> and I'm just not. I we just get ready for it, guys. Let Matt, me. A- I, Matt, I, let me say this probably to you. Get ready for it. We got 20 years of it. <laughs> let me ask you this, Jared. Okay, just I need your your personal opinion on watching that game yesterday. Were were you at all feeling pretty good about watching the Spartans take it to Duke, or were you just dreading all the text and tweets that were going to come your way? 
I like seeing my friends happy. I'll say that a lot of Michigan State fans, the ones that are that are coming after me, are, are my friends. <laughs> okay, it's it's the ones where I see videos of people. I saw a video of Kenny Goins in in the bar, and people are like bowing on their knees, like to him. It's like it's like fans like that. It's the fans like that where it's like, dude, like I I want Michigan State to lose because of you. I get that. I I and, get what you're saying. And and like you can't. And it, I'm not gonna lie. I felt like I had like a black heart that was like starting to turn like back to a normal heart it's like watching like matt mcquade doing the mj shrug and kenny goins out here like hitting big shot after big shot like you can't help but kind of like root for this team you have to. it pains me to say that it's like it's like nails on a chalkboard hearing myself say that but it, it is a really likable team yeah i mean and they've been well coached and they they're playing so well together i mean i just i love it too i mean i really do yeah, and I think that you you just hit it like right on the head that they're playing well together. You know, sometimes I think coaches, whether it's good or bad, sometimes coaches either get too much or too little credit, or like in a loss, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's all put on the coach. When sometimes, you know, you got to think about the players are the ones out there playing. You know, That's whether true. it's football, basketball, whatever. You know, the situation with that Kenny going three at the end of the game, they ran that play and immediately. On the broadcast, I think it was Grant Hill. It was like, what a great play call by Tom Izzo. What a great play yeah. call. And people on Twitter are saying Izzo is the best coach in, in college basketball at drawing up plays out of a timeout. And after the game, Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman said that wasn't the play that was drawn up. And Cassius Winston told the media after that he told Tom Izzo like the, to, the play to run. So Winston's the one calling that play. And – that wasn't even the play that got drawn up. It was supposed to be an alley-oop to Tillman, but Goins was so wide open, he just took the shot and nailed it and won the game and everything. We know how it went. But I, I just sometimes I wonder, like, why are people so quick to just say, like, it's all on Izzo? And this isn't a shot on Izzo. It's all on Izzo or whatever coach it is. Or, like, it's all not. Like, people knocking Coach K, saying, how are you not getting Zion on the ball? Well, maybe it's just kind of how the game played out. You know, sometimes, like you said, the point I'm trying to make is, like, these guys are playing so well, and Izzo just trusts them that – he can look at his point guard, and Cassius Winston can say, let's run this play, and he says, okay. And he can just trust his guys to do that. I don't know if every team can do that. I think that the reason the reason that is, Matt, is because, I mean, with college basketball, like we said, the one-and-done rule, players aren't staying as long. Like, in the NBA, it's all about the players. And I feel like in college basketball, the people that I, I like, love to watch, it's like the Coach Cal's, the Coach K's, Tom Izzo. Like, the college basketball does have a lot of just, like, charismatic coaches that you love to watch. And, and that's why I feel like, they get a lot of the praise and a lot of the negative negativity that comes like when they win and when they lose, I, I guess. Well, you said it perfectly, Jared. I mean, it's been that way for quite some time. I mean, the college game, you're watching the coaches on the sideline. The pro game, you're watching the players. Yeah. It's that simple. It's, it's especially that way, too, in football. I mean, you think about it, you know, like when, if man, just for example, when Michigan loses, you know, it's all Harbaugh's fault, it seems like. That's <laughs> right. You know, you got to think about the players that are out there doing it, too. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to say, like, when I hear immediately it's all about Tom Izzo with, with the good plays, like, sometimes the players need the credit, too. Like, you know, if Cassius Winston is the guy calling that play and then Kenny Goins recognizes that he's wide open and knocks the three down, why does it have to immediately go to Izzo's the best coach at drawing up plays out of a timeout? Why can't you just say, man, that's a hell of a play by Winston and well, Goins? Well, you tell us. You're the guy in the TV business. Uh-huh. I mean, seriously, you know, I you broke it down perfectly. We know exactly what happened. Izzo didn't take credit for it. Yeah, they drew up the play. It was supposed to be a back door to Tillman. But Goins was open, took the shot, and they got the win, you know. But, but 
I think that that almost is like that's a sign of a good coach. Like, what does Jim Harbaugh do if Shea Patterson tells him, "Hey, let's run this"? Do you think Jim Harbaugh takes his, his advice with the game with the season on the line? I don't think he does. I think that's what makes Izzo a good coach that he's going to listen to his players because they're out there. Like Cassius Winston has a better feel for the game, running it, playing literally every minute, basically. Yeah, literally played every minute, forty minutes. Than like Tom Izzo does on the sideline. I think that's what makes a good coach. Yeah, and it is a little different football and basketball. Let's face it. Yeah, I think it's the coach and the player. Like, I mean, if let's just say his point guard was like a true freshman or something like that, you know, that trust might not be there. Obviously, he has complete trust in Cassius Winston, and rightfully so. Absolutely. You know, so uh, it's just something I think about sometimes. Like, come on, I like because sometimes I just I want to give the players a little more credit than than they get. Well, you know, guys, we're going to keep it rolling, but there was a packed house Saturday, and I know there'll be a packed house this coming Saturday at Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. March Madness now heading to the Final Four, so head on over to Rivals Tap House and Grill. Check out all the action on their 21 flat screens and the big 120-inch screen. You know the Spartans are going to be on that one. It's March Madness at Rivals Tap House and Grill in the old Kmart Plaza. You know, we've talked about Michigan and Michigan State, and obviously we're located here in Michigan, but my goodness, there were some games. I mean, how about that Purdue-Virginia finish, guys? I was out in Ann Arbor for, for that game. You know, having some waters at a couple of the local uh, uh, speakeasies or whatever. Uh-huh. And I, I'm not going to lie, we were, as soon as that game was over, we were going to leave to go to like the, the nightclub or whatever, like the final spot of the night. Like before that, we were, as the millennials like to say, uh, pre-gaming. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm not gonna. Lie, I just wanted that game to get over with. I, <laughs> I just wanted it to get over with, and, and it kept going, and it went to the overtime, and it was an awesome game. But it's like I wasn't in the best shape, so it was like I couldn't even really enjoy it. So you so weren't I, tuned I, I, in. <laughs> no, I had to watch like I had to watch like the highlights, like the, every basket the next day to even really understand what happened. But it was an awesome game. I mean, Ryan Klein. Oh. He might be my favorite player in the entire nation. That guy, he makes big shots, and, and I think Carson Edwards is a big story. But Ryan Klein has the hitch in his shot, and he just drains it, and he, he's throwing the three-point uh, goggle symbols. I just love that team, and it's a shame that they lost. Yeah, the game, before, game. the game before that one, it was he was on fire. Who was the other guard that just had 42 in two different games? Carson Edwards. Yeah, was, uh, Carson Edwards. Yeah. yeah, Carson Edwards. Oh, my yeah. God, what a game he had. And, I, and truth serum here. I was down babysitting uh, my granddaughter, watching the games, watched the first game and watched the second game, the Purdue-Virginia game, until there was about eight minutes left, and we had to hit the road. There was some weather issues, so I listened to the fi- listen to this. I, I, I had set the DVR, so I got home and watched the end of it, but I was listening on satellite radio to the Westwood One broadcast. Let me tell you, and I'm a radio guy. You guys know that. I've been doing it forever. But to listen to a really good radio play-by-play and color guy, it's almost as good as television. And I was just, I mean, it, it, it was just astounding listening to that finish of that game. You know, and I just was going, man, I can't wait to go watch this. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it was a great game. And, yeah, you made the point. I mean, if you listen to a good radio call of a game, you should need to see it on TV. Yeah, they so paint like the if, picture. If the play-by-play and the color guy are good, or, you know, guy or girl are good at it, you shouldn't need to see it. Now, obviously, yeah, you got a DVR, you're going to go home and watch it. Absolutely. But, but, no, it was an awesome game, and it was that was the perfect game to, like, not have a horse in the race. To right. just sit back and just be like, this is insane. This is wild. These guys are just chucking up shot after shot. Kyle Guy and Carson Edwards were just like – 
It seemed like everything they shot was going in. It was cool to see. What do you guys think is the definitive move down the stretch? You know, do you foul when you're up by three? What are your guys' thought on that? Because exactly what happened can happen. You know, you make a first free throw, the second one gets tipped out, and then they hit the two-pointer to send it to overtime. You virtually have the game won but you put it into the, the hands of your guys boxing out at the free throw line. Isn't it better sometimes just to play defense around the perimeter and not let that three-point shot go up? And if a guy throws a Hail Mary with a defender hanging on him and he hits it, so be it? Uh, no, I, I think it is the right move to follow every time. Because okay. we just saw it like at the end of the Duke-Michigan State game. Yeah, He literally could not skillfully miss a free throw. <laughs> R.J. Barrett could not miss a free throw. Like the way Virginia pulled that off, and it's, it's like that's a credit to – Tony Bennett, I'm pretty sure that they've practiced that like a good amount of time. Like I practice, I heard it's like that took so much, just a lot of stuff to go right yeah. for them to be able to pull that and off. Hit that shot. And, and even would, like I mean, Mark, to, like if your I'm, dad's credit, Jared, and you know this is high school, but uh, we would practice that in at practice, uh, missing a shot. We had to play that you know to miss a shot and tip it out for a shot. So I mean, I think most teams probably do practice that. It's not as easy to miss a free throw as it sounds. You know, R.J. Barrett, I mean, tried to miss it and went off the back iron and fell in. Like, I mean, that's just almost like bad luck. But I'm definitely on the side. I understand the strategy with following to put a guy at the line, you know, when you're up three and everything. I don't like it because I would just – I would want to trust my defense. I would want to just tell my guys to lock up. If a guy hits a three, if they make a good play and make a shot, okay. But I don't don't like – fouling and stopping the clock and letting guys gather themselves, letting a coach, you know, let the point guard run over to the coach and get a play. I just want to keep the play going, like let guys have to make a decision in the heat of the moment, you know, because college kids a lot of times might not make the right play. You know, same thing with calling a timeout, you know, when a team's coming up. I would I would rather just let them play. Let them play, you know, make a shot, make a play, because if you call a timeout or if you if you foul, you're, you're also giving the other team a chance to, you know, set up their play and stuff too, so... I'm definitely more on the side of like just play it out. Yeah, and that's where I'm at too. Even after watching like you know shots like Trey Burks against Kansas, Archie Hunter with Georgia State, just kind of shots that don't deserve to go in, but they're just falling. Like I feel like yeah, you see that a, a lot guy, more than you see a guy miss a free throw back from 40 feet and bangs down a three. Tip your cap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a shot, man. But you know, if you call a timeout there, not only are you setting your defense up, you're giving the other team a chance to set up their offense or whatever. So it's a it's a it's definitely a scenario that coaches have to deal with. You know, I mean, it's a tough call. It is a tough yeah. call on how to handle it. But uh, and, and we've seen it go both ways. You know, but that that finish of that game and some of the other games were just incredible. And it's fun watching Bruce Pearl on the sidelines. I mean, I thought he was gonna just I thought his head was gonna explode. I love Bruce Pearl. I, he gets a lot of bad rap, and a lot of people don't like him. But I, I just like we talked about earlier. I mean, college coaches—they're just some of my favorite people in the world. I, I love Bruce Pearl, and th- and thank goodness for him and for like all the other games that we saw because they saved what was up to this point a terrible March Madness. Yeah, like, can we? It was just there was no good games in the first opening weekend, no good games in the round of sixteen, and it wasn't until the Elite Eight that we actually got some fireworks. But at least we got some there, baby. That's what was nice. Now, let me ask you this. You're a Calipari fan, too, right? Yes. So you like crooked coaches. Is that what you're basically saying? I was going to say, you like Coach Cal and Bruce Pearl, huh? Yeah. Are you like you Patino, your third favorite? <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach Cal's never been proven guilty of anything at all. Okay. If he gets hit with sanctions at Kentucky, okay, first off, so you guys are of the belief that college players shouldn't be paid? Oh, we're going to turn it that way? 
Well, you want to sit here and who's really the evil man? Well, you, the people that are turning them into indentured servitude? Indentured I, servants, I happen to like coaches people... like Beeline and Izzo that run a completely clean program. That's oh, my... oh, really? Super yeah. clean. Izzo, the one, the one who bought uh, Miles Bridges a $40 steak dinner? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, I, I I enjoy watching Calipari and Pearl, but there's there's a little part of me that thinks when they're coaching, you know, these guys are crooked. You know, I mean, and Patino's in the same boat. There are a handful of coach. I don't think. Now, well, I don't know. I'm not sure about. Uh, I would think Shashevsky's pretty clean. Would you guys think that? I, mean, I would think so. I I feel like at most big programs. I mean, hopefully not Michigan, Michigan State. But like, you never know everything that's going on behind the scenes. Right. But, I would think Duke has built up, you know, because they get all these blue-chip, one-and-done guys, so everyone thinks that they're paying. I think Duke has built up the reputation that guys just want to go there. Right. You know, like, to an extent, Michigan and Michigan State, you know, not the one-and-dones like Duke or or, uh, Kentucky, but once you build up Kansas, you know, you build up that reputation, you don't necessarily have to pay guys. Guys just want to go play for Coach K or Coach Cal. Yeah, and I think it doesn't always go to the coaches either. You know, you got these boosters in the background, and and there's been some of the coaches that kind of conveniently turn their heads and don't, you know, just pretend they don't see it. And I I, I think if Shashevsky have seen something like that, or Izzo or Beeline or some of the up above board coaches, they would say something or they would do something about it. But there's, I think Calipari and Pearl obviously and Patino, they're they're the other kind of coach. They know what's okay. going on. But they're making sure that their hands are clean so they don't get busted themselves. Okay. So Zion Williamson, who it was public knowledge that his dad I think it was his dad or his brother or someone that's very close, like in in his tight knit, said his asking price is hundred grand. He just somehow ends up at Duke and you and Matt, you're you're kinda of talking up like they just want to play for Coach K. Or whatever, but are we are we naive to say all these top players keep going to Duke? None of them are getting paid. When you mentioned Ted, boosters are like how how can you really keep control of that? I know that's of tough. Boosters paying, boosters. but 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 also if you're on top of your program and you you know the boosters in the back pocket of your player, what do you do? Are you above board? Do you put a stop to it, or do you just ignore it? Point taken. I don't know. I I feel like let's say that you're in. Coach K shoes your entire everything you built. Coach Cal, he's wow, one national he's won a national title and yet here all you can think about when you're watching him is that he's dirty. So if Coach yeah. K sees that someone's getting paid, he's gonna come out and say it. Well I would just say reputation ruined. I would just look at it this way. I think Coach K is is definitely more concerned about his long term reputation than Calipari. Calipari, he's played the angles. I mean he, and he's a hell of a coach. Don't get me wrong. And I Pearl's a great coach too. I just don't like the way they go about their business from things that I've heard. Am I there every day? Again, uh, no. But just from what I read, from what I've seen, what's happened to their programs, I just like the coaches, like I mentioned, that are above board, at least in my opinion. That's all. I'd I'd rather see them be successful than the snake oil salesman out there. Okay, yeah. You know what? So in your eyes, let's never pay the college players. Is it really that bad? No, no. Do you I'm, like the Fat Five? Do you see, like the Fat Five? Do see, I'm not, not like saying Dale that, Rose? but, but, but I, I have a bad feeling about Chris Weber. Sure, should he have been paid? Yeah. But did he blatantly go against the rules that he signed up for? He sure did. I mean, what did he get? Like $200,000 from Ed Martin? Why didn't Jalen Rose get some of that cash? 
Yeah, and that's where that's where it could get, I don't know, a gray area if you want to call it, because like you were talking about, the boosters. You know, like, did Steve Fisher know that was going on? Maybe not. Wink, wink. I don't know. He did... <laughs> Did Ray Jackson, did Jimmy King, did all those guys know? Like Jalen Rose has said that Ed Martin was like a father figure to a lot of those guys, would hook him up, you know, when they were growing up with sneakers or stuff like that. So those kind of things I feel like are are the things that the NCAA shouldn't really care about. So Jalen Rose has said that he knew, you know, about Ed Martin and those kind of things. Now, did he know, right, the amount of money apparently that Ed Martin was giving Chris Weber and and some other guys? No. I mean, the – you know, Steve Fisher and the program, they didn't know that was going on. So should it be their fault that a booster is doing that? Yeah, that's a I don't know. I mean, slippery slope. We, we talked about before, I think, maybe when Patino was getting busted. Like, a guy on Izzo's level, a guy on Coach Cal's level, definitely Coach K's level, they basically run their universities. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they, they should know everything that's going on in their program. But, like, literally, can they? Well, obviously not. Right. Okay, let me just kind of throw this out to you guys, and okay. let's see it, it, what would you do in this hypothetical scenario. Okay. So, Ted, let's say that uh, the Sportsnet Michigan really takes off. Yeah. Okay. Right. Your 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 personal entrepreneur business, and you're making millions. Yeah. And Zion Williamson comes up to you and says, "If you pay me one hundred thousand dollars, I will play for Michigan State, or I will play for Michigan this year." Are you saying, nope, that's not how I do business here. That's not how I run. I like to run things here in Michigan. Or are you going to pay him the 100K and say, you deserve to be paid this much anyway. Let me just be the one. But why not you come play for our school? So you're basically saying, as Sportsnet Michigan, I would knowingly violate uh, NCAA rules and put his career in jeopardy by paying him that money. Is that how you're laying out the scenario? No, what I'm asking you is the same rules that are going right now. So if I paid him and word got out, uh, then he would be suspended, the school would be on probation, that whole deal? Is that what I'm looking at? Yes, that could, that's a potential fallout yeah. if, you, if you run your mouth. I would like to say I wouldn't. I don't know. That's a That's a pretty good question, but I would like to say no. I wouldn't put a person in that scenario at this stage of my life. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not worth it. It's better to be on the up and up. I'd rather have a a level playing field instead of playing the shenanigans. And back to your original question, do I think college athletes should be paid? Maybe not a salary, but I think they ought to be compensated for signing autographs at a restaurant or something like that. I think they should be able to pocket that money, just like they would a part-time job. If they if their name is worth something, let's say Chris Weber back when he was playing for Michigan and he made a deal with the local Kmart to get a whole bunch of bulk number four jerseys. And he also set up at a local pizza place that he would sign those jerseys for fifteen dollars that he paid five dollars for. Go for it. I'd be what's wrong with that? Yeah, that that's the biggest thing. Like everyone buying a Duke number one jersey this year. 100% is buying a Zion Williamson jersey. Right. But he's not getting a penny of that. That's There's not definitely right. definitely a problem with that. That is not right. Uh, right. Now, how, how it would all work out, salaries or, you know, whatever, man, that, that is just, that would be a messy situation. I feel like the easiest thing to be would be to let these guys make money off their likeness. If Yeah. If they, you know, some guys are going to get, Zion Williamson is going to get way more than some dude that plays for Illinois. You know, but if a kid from Illinois can go, like you, the scenario you just set up, go to a local pizza shop in Champaign, Illinois, make a few hundred bucks, sign in some autographs, 
why is that such a big deal? Yeah. Like, you know, who cares? Well, exactly. And then also, too, it would keep it out of the court system because then you're not shortchanging the uh, the lady sports or the non-revenue sports. I mean, if Noah Jacobs wants to take a Wisconsin jersey and try to sign autographs and sell that, more power to him. Right, Jared? Yeah, or, or like camps. You know, like these guys could go, yeah. you know, run like a, a youth camp. You know, Noah Jacobs could go run a youth camp teaching kids how to, how to run cross. You know, whatever he can get that money and make make some money off of it. Why why is that so wrong? I I, that, I think that is like it's kind, kind of messed up. It's really. kind of the American I, I, way. I guess what can I just what is so wrong about? Okay, so Zion comes to Ted. Ted, you it's it's worth it in your eyes as a millionaire. A let's say you're a billionaire. It really took off. Sportsnet <laughs> Michigan is really taking off. All right, you're a billionaire. Yeah, I like it. Is it? Do you think that that's a fair trade? Hundred thousand dollars of my money, I get to watch you for a year. You're, this is coming from, now. Before you answer, you're the same guy who calls up his cable uh, bill every month and lies about how he's going to cancel when you know damn well you're not going to cancel. Oh, you just got so me they there. Can reduce, just so they can reduce the price. Is that wrong? Is yeah. that wrong? I'm I, I just like I said, Jared. I, I I get your point. I'm just trying to play the high road morally. If I know that the the ramifications of it is that I'm I'm being illegal and it could put somebody else in jeopardy, hell, if it was me, if if I was going to pay the penalty, that's a different thing. But if somebody else, like for you even, if I was going to give you money under the table for some kind of venture that I know it could come back to bite you, I wouldn't want to put you in that position. That's yeah. all. That's all. I'm just trying to say, as I when I was 20 years old, would I have the same thought process? Nah, was no. Is it really hurting Chris Weber right now? That's what I was going to say, too. That That's what's a little messed up about the whole situation, too, is, you know, a player might be able to take a couple hundred grand or whatever. Yeah, they might get a little slap on the wrist. Or like in Reggie Bush's yeah. uh, situation, you know, he got his Heisman Trophy taken away. Everyone knows Reggie Bush won the Heisman that year. He was still able to go on the NFL and make a ton of money in the NFL. You know, so like, let, let's just say Coach Cal was paying someone on this team this year. And then all these guys are going to go to the NBA, make millions and millions of dollars, but Coach K is going to get fired, suspended, all these wins are going to be vacated or something like that. So, yeah, like for the players, do you think some of them really care if they get caught taking some money in college? Obviously not. I mean, heck, <laughs> you just look at the players. I'm, this is going to be the old man in me coming out. You see all these players with these tattoos. Now, how much money are tattoos? Oh, I just want to say, how much are tattoos nowadays where they get sleeves and all over their chest and their back? That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, some, some can be uh, upwards of five, five $500, $900, I mean, for some. Yeah, I'm not against tattoos, but I'm just wondering, where do these college athletes get the money for that? Uh, well, we know where Ohio State football players get. How much does college education cost? Like right. 60 grand? Right. So... I mean that's like a that's not much. That's a drop in the bucket. True. Compared to like what I'm paying. That's that's true. And we got off on a little tangent here because <laughs> we are <laughs> topic though. I mean clearly because yeah yeah I don't know it can go both ways. It sure can. It is a good topic and it'd be something for our uh, our listeners to weigh in on and maybe hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Where where do they find us there, Matt? Uh, all three social media sites at Three Point Pod. All right. Before Ted, sorry to cut you up, but before we move on from college basketball. I got into this debate, and I want your guys' thoughts. Do you think five of me could beat Zion Williamson in basketball? So for those who aren't familiar with who I am, five foot seven, hundred and like sixty-five pounds, roughly. Run roughly. like run about uh, like a five-second forty-yard dash. Can't shoot a three. 
can't really jump high, can, can't touch the backboard, can graze the net with a jump. But let me explain my strategy before you answer. So I would put two guys on the block, three guys around the paint. We're shooting threes, and knowing my shots, they're going to be long misses if I do miss. They're, they're bouncing all over the rim. And when Zion Williamson is on offense, we're, we're five guys surrounding him, like hounding him on defense. The only thing that would worry me is if he gets a rebound and it's a race to the other end, he's going to outrun all five of them. Well, that's, that's that what said, I was going to say. Is this full, like, there's a lot of things. Is this full court? Is it make it, take it? What are you playing to? Yeah, what are you playing to? Because if it's half court, make it, take it, I think you could have a chance, but you just said you can't shoot a three very well. So that, that wouldn't help. If it's make it or if it, take it. If it's full court, you have no chance. If it's half court, make it, take it, I don't think they have much of a chance either. Yeah, that's true. I don't <laughs> think you have a chance at all. <laughs> well, it's the thing. You, I would have to shoot threes because. You'd have to hit I threes. Can't go, he's, yeah. Knowing we've seen Zion Williamson, he can jump out of the deep. Like, I can't really go anywhere near the paint. <laughs> right. Yeah, because yeah, if, if you can shoot, if you can make a couple threes, one of one Jared. Take the ball, other four Jareds, set a quadruple screen, you're at least going to get a, a slight slimmer of daylight to hit a three. That's true. Now you're just going to have to hit your three. That's the whole key. you got to hit the three because you're not getting anywhere near the paint. No. You don't think that I'd be able to have some success stopping him on defense, five of me? No. Not much. No, I mean, wow. especially, like, I mean, unless you're just trying to, like, two guys on his legs, two guys on his shoulders, and the other one, like, drop kicking him in the nuts. And maybe that's your chance, but he'd have a little chance. I mean, he does have to dribble from half court to get within scoring range, right? Yeah. So you'd have five guys, little little bugs, going after the basketball there. <laughs> little yeah, match, well, that's what we would be like a pack line the whole time. Yeah. We wouldn't full court press him because as soon as he gets a step, he's he's just gonna sprint to the hoop. Right. We would be we would be in half court defense. As soon as he crosses the line, we're it's like a full court press, like half court trap. Yeah. Going after him. Yeah, if you put him, if you somehow know. force him to the sidelines, maybe a little bit, because then you got another defender. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. It's funny. This reminds me of uh, when I was. I think it was my senior year of high school. We had one of those pep rallies where uh, we had this guy come in. I forget his name, but he was one of those like uh, motivational speakers. But then he had like his like shtick, and he was he was like a professional volleyball player. That his whole thing was like he's never been beaten. So. He did his whole motivational speech. You know, I don't even remember what that was. But then he brought out, he took six of us. It was like me and five other guys that played, you know, sports or whatever. And we played them. And he smoked us and by himself in volleyball. <laughs> and then his whole thing was bring out the whole, fill up the whole side, you know, make it so there's no holes on the court. So we literally had whatever that would be, 50 people out there. And he still beat us. He pounded the Voight right off your foreheads, didn't he? Yeah. Was he able yeah, he to pass like, it to himself? He could serve, oh, wow. he could set it up to himself, he would like oh, bump, okay. set it to himself, and then just spike it right on our faces. <laughs> it was wild. Yikes. See, like, that's the sort of thing where putting more people out on that court isn't necessarily going to help you, because that's where you get, uh, I don't know, Becky, who never played sports in her life, where he's just teeing off on her, and she's yeah, just taking yeah, up spot. that's exactly what happened. Well, before we do our uh, quick little look at the Final Four, and also we have another uh, entertainment tonight here before we wrap up this podcast, I just want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They feature the top-of-the-line field technicians for installation, troubleshooting service, and repair of elevators. And uh, the Janka family, big Michigan State fans, an area business leader and longtime supporters of the Corona Public Schools. Well, guys, Final Four is this coming weekend. First game, Auburn, a number five seed taking on number one Virginia. How do you see it? Like I, I 
loved what Matt said earlier. It is really going to be a really fun game to watch. Just not, just two completely opposite ends of the spectrum teams playing each other. I'm rooting for Virginia just because, I mean, can we imagine like a Texas Tech versus Auburn championship? Just mm. talk about something that I could care less about watching. Right. It would be those two teams facing off. So for that purpose, for that reason, really only, I'm pulling for Virginia. I really like Kyle Guy. Uh, Tom Crean in Indiana, the Hoosiers have to be like kicking themselves. He, his parents literally, or his grandparents, had season tickets to Indiana, and he just hated Tom Crean, didn't go to Indiana. Now he's just tearing up like NCAA basketball, basically hitting threes from all over the court. Good ball and player. And not doing it for Indiana. So I, I like Virginia in that one, uh, but I also like Bruce Pearl. And just kind of like the knife, I will be coming back at you on Monday when we record probably if Auburn somehow pulls off a big upset versus Virginia and then ends up winning it all, you're sitting here – I know how that would upset you. I guess I, basically what I'm saying is it would make me happy to know how upset you were. You mean Bruce because Pearl of standing Bruce? Atop, standing atop the college basketball landscape. Because yes. of Bruce Pearl? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be more Auburn than him, but okay. I'll go along with that. <laughs> so if Bruce Pearl comes in and takes Auburn, Auburn and wins the national title, that's not anything to do with the coaching? No, what I'm saying is, is I, I'm not going to get too worked up about it. I, you heard my point about the crooked coaches, but to be honest, too, I kind of do like Bruce Pearl. I mean, he's fun to watch. He is fun to watch and listen to. You can't beat that name either. That's a strong name, Bruce Pearl. So you got a Virgi- great last name. You got Virginia winning that game, and what do you got in state and Texas Tech? I mean, I I feel biased. I Michigan State has beaten me down so many times this year that I'm going to try to reverse things around. I think Michigan State's going to beat Texas Tech. I mean, Michigan State. Deep down, I really think I will be rooting for Michigan State. Um, that's not at all. That's not at all what I will display publicly when the game is going on, right. and if Texas Tech ends up winning. But I really do, like we talked about for the last like forty-five minutes. I really do like Cassius Winston. I like these players. You can't help but root for him. Foster Lawyer, even like a guy on the bench like him, just a great glue guy. Solid. <laughs> great tweets on Twitter. I like the Michigan State team. Fan, the fans will know you, but this really is. It's a hometown team. You know the players. I've watched them more than basically any other team in the country this season. And you just got to tip your cap. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap, and that's what I'm doing to Michigan State. I'll, right I'll make it real short and simple myself. I want a Virginia Michigan State final, so that's what I'm looking for, and that'll be a hell of a game. How about you, Matt? I, I've watched a lot of Auburn, and you know, listened to a lot of analysis and breakdown of Auburn be, being here at the SEC Network. So people here are they think that they're going to win it all. I think they they live and die by the three a little too much for me, and I think Virginia is. I mean, they, they run their offense and defense a lot like Michigan State. You know, they run it almost to perfection. So I, I think that's going to maybe bite Auburn a little bit. And I, I think the, the a Virginia-Michigan State game would be – it would just be a great battle for the national championship. I do think Texas Tech is going to give Michigan State troubles, though. Uh, they, they're really good. You know, I mean, oh, yeah, they are. Tough defensively. Obviously, we saw that against Michigan. But, I mean, tough defensively, just like Michigan State – you know, they've got a guy in Jarrett Culver who, I mean, he's one of the best scorers. He's Big 12 player of the year. Um, so I don't know who's going to D him up. Probably Jared's guy, McQuaid. So I, I still think, I think Michigan State's going to win that game, but I, I think it's going to be really good. So, cool. yeah, I guess I'm going old Sparty and the Cavaliers. All right, quick question. Uh, if Texas Tech wins the national championship, do they lock him down? Does he move on? I mean, Chris Bird, Beard is a hell of a coach. I mean, I would think he's gonna. He's probably already got calls coming in. You know. I mean, you would think if they if he wins the national championship, he's there, right? Why go anywhere else? Well, we're gonna have to talk, boys, on when we're gonna do our next recording because the national championship is a week from tonight. So either we do a preview show of that or we do it on Tuesday. We'll have to talk it over. We'll have to talk it.
it over. All right. We're going to have some uh, entertainment tonight here in just a second, but uh, the coronaconnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona. The spring sports season's underway at Corona High, so keep up with the Cavs at coronaconnection.com. And also, Card Service Michiana offers credit card service setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants guaranteed to save you money. No contract, no monthly minimums, or early termination fees. Call 574-238-1397 or contact us at 3 Point Pod. For details. All right, guys, let's wind up this podcast with a little entertainment news. Hit the music, Matt. All right, first of all, guys, I want to, I, I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod, but you guys talked about you saw the show Abducted in Plain Sight. I finally had a chance to watch that thing, and all I can say on Netflix, that show was wow, just wow. What the hell was going on with the parents in that household? I mean, I, too trusting. We Back in that day, they didn't expect stuff like that to happen. Uh, pretty wild, though. Yeah, so if anybody wants to watch a show that's just going to boggle the mind, one nice thing about it is, it's, I think it's an hour and a half, and it's just it's one episode, right? There's not multiple episodes which is kind of nice once in a while on netflix also uh i had a chance to watch and speaking of that i had a chance to watch another netflix show called the disappearance of madeline mccann have you guys seen that one i know i've mentioned this before what is it with your like watch i know there's something there's something deranged in your brain there is you're right i love these murder mysteries or these mysteries out there this this one though I'm gonna. I can't give it high praise because it's eight episodes, and it could have been condensed down to two or three. You know, it just it, it was dragging on too long. But a fascinating story of a, a three-year-old girl disappeared from her holiday apartment. The parents, I guess, in Europe, this is kind of common. They were at a restaurant like a block or so away, and they'd go check on the kids every twenty. Can you imagine this, Matt? Check out. Leave your three and a half-year-old at home with one and a half-year-old twins sleeping in their beds while you're a block away at a restaurant. Yeah, no, I don't I don't I don't think that would fly in my household. <laughs> Not at all. And one final thing I, I was going to throw well, out well, there. Well, what's the worst thing that would happen? Like they would just wake up and start crying or or get kidnapped like one of them did. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's a little worse. And start the oven. Go, I don't know. Hey, kids will do the craziest stuff. Yeah, you got to keep an eye on them at that age for God's sakes. Uh, have either one of you, you guys more go to the movies more than I do. Have you, have you seen the new Jordan Peele movie, Us? Have you heard about that? I haven't seen it, but I, the previews look pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it looked cool. Yeah, I've been. I, the, the thing with horror movies with me is if I see one, I'm not going to be able to sleep that night. <laughs> so it's like I got to kind of gotta kind of plan that out. Pick your spots, go to a matinee maybe. You know what the worst and the worst thing about horror movies is? is when it's like a happy ending it seems like it's a happy ending and then right before the credits roll there's like the one thing that you know makes makes it so like the the devil escapes or something so like in the conjuring or it was like insidious i think it was or something which ted you probably never seen but everything was happy and then next thing you know the demon that they thought they killed was actually alive like at the very end and then the movie ends well i did like those like those rattle me I did like Jordan Peele's last movie, uh, Get Out. So I, I, I've seen mixed reviews on this one. I'm also kind of looking forward to the Twilight Zone. He's rebooting that. Did you ever see any of the original Twilight Zones, you guys, either one of you? I was pretty young. I remember like seeing my older siblings watching it, but I, I never watched it to like actually know what it was all about. If you ever get a chance, I mean, you know, it is kind of dated. They're, they're in black and white, but Rod Sterling... 
uh, Rod Serling, I mean, he was quite a writer of horror stuff and that had different twists on it. It was a very well done series back in the day and had also, also one of the all-time classic uh, theme songs that would get you in the mood. But I'm kind of looking forward to seeing uh, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, if I can find it. It's on CBS All Access. I'm not sure how that works, if that's just a streaming service or if it's a cable <laughs> channel somewhere. Something, something tells me you're going to figure that out, and you will <laughs> definitely at least buy a month subscription. Uh, may, so maybe so. Couple have you seen? Well, have you seen Black Mirror? It's basically Twilight Zone, but for millennials. No, it's on Netflix. I, I'm not joking, Matt. Have you seen any of the Black Mirror uh, stuff? I, I haven't watched it. I've seen it on Netflix, so it, it's it's just like that. It's one episode. It's all about like how technology is kind of bad for us. It's okay. Kind of... I just made a note. That I'll check that out. A couple other ones I just want to throw out there. I know Matt, you had some entertainment stuff you wanted to bring on the table. There's a there's a a, a biopic out there called The Dirt about Motley Crue. I'm kind of looking. Don't let- you, what's that? that? That's what I was going to bring up. Really? Awesome. Sorry about that, man. We should have had that on <laughs> no, pre So have you seen it? No, that, I, that's what I was going to ask you. I, I just saw the preview for it um, when we got on Netflix the other night, and I was like, man, this is right up Ted's alley. So that's what I was going to ask you. Are, are you pretty pumped for it? Or were, you, were you a Motley Crue guy? Well, yeah, I like Motley Crue, and I, I, it got more solid in my mind when uh, Tommy Lee and uh, Pam Anderson hooked up. That really got me going. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, Matt. Uh, Matt, that movie, I watched it. It is awesome. Is it? it's, a, it's a great flick. You're not joking. It's, like, it's kind of dumb. It, it's going to entertain you. That, that's It's going to entertain you for two hours. Okay. That's what it will do. Well, and, it's supposed to be I, I it's like, like a legitimate, I don't know, like a biopic, right? Kind of like Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, I mean, the lead singer, Nikki Six, he wrote the book on it, The Dirt. It was like seven years in the making of the book. And then they made the, do, the, the biopic from that. So, yeah, it's the true story of the crew, for sure. Okay. And uh, I know we talked about Bohemian Rhapsody, and I know Jared thinks that the Elton John flick's going to put that to shame. I saw a, a trailer for it. Oh, I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> I will watch the movie, but I was not impressed with the trailer. You were going in uh, to that with un- like unbelievable expectations. Well, maybe so. Maybe so. I'm, all, I'm no a big Elton what, John fan. Like yeah, we'll see. And then The High Women, we talked about it before. It's now out on Netflix. I'm looking forward to, to checking that one out with Kevin Costner and uh, Woody Harrelson. So That was the other one I was going to ask. I, I think we've talked about that before, but I saw that, that trailer too. That was straight to Netflix, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely Netflix all the way. Yep. Yeah, it, it looks good, though. I mean, Costner and Woody Harrelson. I, I know Jared doesn't like Kevin Costner because he's over 50. He's washed up, yep. You know, he's. I, I think that's going to be an awesome movie. All right, guys, we didn't really get a chance to talk Tigers or Pistons. They're, you know, Tigers are 2-2 two and two heading into their game tonight against the Yankees. You know, it's going to be another down season, let's face it. It might be fun to watch these youngsters develop, but it's all about pitching, and I don't think their pitching is going to hold up. I think they'll be lucky to get 70, 72 wins maybe. Your guys' thoughts on that at all, if you have any? That's kind of where I'm at. I think low 70s. I mean, it, you know, hopefully if Miggy can play 130 games, you know, 140. I mean, right. it'd be awesome if he could play 160. But I think that's what would make the team still fun to watch. If he gets back, you know, he's not going to win the t- triple crown. But you know, he's always fun to watch. He's having fun, and you know, stuff like that. So that'd be a big one to me. They do have a lot of good young pitchers in the minors that they've drafted the last couple of years. Right. I don't know what their plan is. I'm bringing these guys up to get some starts, but. They do have a few arms in the in the farm system that could give a little hope. Yeah, and I think the future is kind of bright down the road, but this year is going to be a bit of a struggle. And the Pistons, you, go ahead, Jared. You know, whenever I think about the Tigers, I just can't help but thinking about those 2012, like 2013 teams, just star-studded. Yes. And I just know that we're going to look back in 
like maybe the people in general, like just looking back at baseball history, are going to go, how did they never win a World Series? Oh, you're and right. And that's because of David Ortiz. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Starting in 2006 when they had Pudge and they had that team, you know, that bunch they had together with Verlander and Scherzer, they should have they should have won not only one but probably a couple World Series in that in that time frame. Yeah, yeah, the fact that they didn't get at least get one is really a shame because they had all the pieces. I mean, a couple times you know, closer was maybe an issue a little bit. Yeah, that always was in that group, wasn't it? Yeah, like Valverde was, was kind of the awesome. guy there for a while, but he was always like shaky, but he still always saved like fifty games a year yep. or something. So, <laughs> but yeah, it always kind of seemed like they were missing like one little piece and. Man, yeah, Jared, you said it right. I mean, they were they were star-studded pitching and and on the other side and you know in the batter's box. So yeah, it's a shame. And that's what I was gonna ask you guys. Like I see on Twitter and stuff because I don't watch Fox Sports Detroit that much anymore down here. But you know, it's always their like thing. April in the D. Yep. All four sports teams are playing right now. I remember like those days from like whatever maybe two thousand three, two thousand four to maybe two thousand twelve. I don't know something like that. It was actually, like, it was awesome because the Tigers had those teams. The Pistons, you know, obviously in the early 2000s, really for a good six, seven years there were good. Going to work. Red Wings were on their run of making the playoffs every year. I mean, then there's always the Lions or whatever. You got the NFL draft. But April and the D, that used to be, like, it, it was an awesome time to watch sports. Yeah, not so much anymore. But, no, <laughs> no. But the Pistons, you know, maybe they'll make the playoffs. I mean, it's it's touch and go right now. They got to finish strong to maybe maybe lock out lock down that sixth seed if they can. But they they'll either be at a six or they'll be out of the playoffs. I think. I mean, it's just that kind of end of the the Eastern Conference playoff picture. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, basically two two or three games separates them in the sixth spot all the way down to the tenth spot. So yeah, if they if they go on a quick little two or three game losing streak, yeah, they could find themselves out of the playoffs. So. But if they stay in that sixth spot, and they'd be matched up with, with the Sixers right now in the sixth spot, or yep. if they could at least get up to the five, they I don't know, they, they could maybe win a first-round series. Yeah, we'll see. I'm not as confident as I was a couple weeks ago, but uh, good luck to them. Uh, I will talk a lot more uh, NBA basketball as we go now that we are in April. All right, that's it for now, boys. Also out there, if you enjoy this show, share Three Point Podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or other podcast hosting sites. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Three Point Pod. Thanks again to our Three Point Podcast partners, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and Card Service Michiana. This has been a Three Point Podcast production in conjunction with Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Thank you again for listening to Three Point Podcast.